Welcome to the Fit Aviators Club podcast, where aviation, fitness, and mindset meet to improve the balance of your health and quality of life in aviation. This is your host, Fernando Contreras, and let's get to it. episode we have an awesome guest captain tom he is a 787 captain who shares with us great knowledge over a 30 plus year career having flown over nine jets starting from the 72 all three seats 75 76 f100 md11 md80 the triple seven and now on the 787 Throughout his ongoing career, he's become a mentor to so many, not just in aviation advice, but also for health and fitness and what role it's played in his career. And in this episode, we talk about the effects of circadian rhythm during long haul flying and also what role does exercise fitness play into that long haul flying as well. Remember, it's all connected and Tom hits great points on his methods on how he handles a great balance between health and fitness and flying. We also share mindset methods that help you achieve long-term health and fitness goals and also how to make fitness part of your healthy, balanced lifestyle. This is by far one of my favorite episodes yet. Let's have a listen. Hey, Captain Tom, thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited that we get to chat here for a little bit, get to know a little bit more about you and uh, super excited that you're on, man. Uh, hey, it's a pleasure to be here. You and I have been talking about this for a long time, so it's nice that we finally got to chance to get together and talk about stuff yeah we're making it happen man that's yeah. really really cool so uh you know we we came across paths because of your instagram uh page that you have i think it's a very unique and entertaining page uh, that offers very like a lot a lot of educational stuff but also fun stuff too you can really see the lifestyle that you have as being a uh, an airline pilot um and also how you transition a little bit to to the fitness that you do also on the road as well so i think it's a great great balance of of everything that you do as an airline pilot so tell me tell me a little bit about what aircraft you fly in now and uh what's it like well right now i am on the uh, 787 the boeing 787 dreamliner uh to back up the the uh the page the the instagram page just turned a year old a couple days ago oh so, an anniversary for the yeah, thank you. It was exciting. <laughs> and and let, let me tell you how that started. Uh, actually, the reason it's called Fit to Fly, it was intended to be kind of a fitness for aviators page. And mm -hmm. it came about because my daughters both do uh, fashion modeling. And and I was just trying to like creep on them a little bit, see what they're up to, because they, they post <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and and uh, one of them said, hey, dad, you should do some aviation stuff. And, and for that reason... I, I put it together and, and I thought, okay, everybody kind of has their own flavor in that. And me having flown now for 38 years, uh, airline flying, airline flying for 38 years, 36, uh, the present employer, I thought, oh, there's a lot of stuff I'd like to pass along because I love what I do. I've always been passionate and social media can be a difficult place. It can be very negative. It can be a very kind of a, a dark place. And I, and I say, you know, this is about, positivity and inspiration and gratitude and, and doing something we love and sharing that passion with each other so that aspiring aviators or those who have been doing it a long time could share in this and and uh, and, and tap into it. Yeah, I think it all the content that you post comes from a genuine place. It comes from a place where you you can you can see that you want to pass on the knowledge that you want to pass on the experience for so that people can get a better grasp 
of of what being an airline pilot is like. And there's different types of, uh, depending on what kind of aircraft you're flying, right? You're going to have a different lifestyle, uh, different overnights, Absolutely. different kind of flying. And, and I think that what you transcribe now through through your post on the 787, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people look up to that because a lot of people love the 787. So um, that's really, really cool that you're running it. Well, everybody kind of finds their niche when it comes to an airline. We say the international division with us is kind of an airline within an airline. Yeah, uh, there are those who who remain who can easily hold narrow body uh, captain spots. And matter of fact, most of the guys on the seven eight seven who are first officers are able to be captains on the narrow body fleet. Uh, but they like the flying on the seven eight. But there are those, for instance, who will fly turns every day narrow body, and they sleep in their own bed every night, and they're yeah. soccer games, and they're 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 there. They just like that. They'll go to work every day. Uh, others prefer the far east flying, which is it's, it's a long ride, 14, 15 hours in an airplane, but it's three days on and then seven or eight off on our schedule. But I noticed my recovery on that was just too long. Uh, when you flip your circadian rhythms over like yeah. that, some people do well with that. I didn't. And my sweet spot has been flying Europe. Uh, I really like uh, going uh, just, just about eight, nine hours, maybe a little bit more in Athens flight. Those about 10 or, or so. Uh, but you kind of find what works for you. And the 787 kind of fits really well into what I like to do because it's it's a fleet that expand, it's expanding. We're getting more and more of those airplanes. So we keep seeing more destinations. Yeah, that I think that's fantastic. Depending on what fleet you're on, you can kind of find your thing, just like how you said. But you touched, you touched on a really cool topic here that I, I've been wondering what it's like because I haven't flown a wide body aircraft. But when you go... And you're constantly doing trips where you're changing time zone, changing circadian rhythms. You know, you're obviously into fitness too. You're in great shape. How do you manage? What are some tips that you can share with us on how to manage circadian rhythm? And then also when you're on the layover and then when you come back at home. For those who don't know, I'm sure if you're an airline pilot by now, you should know what a circadian rhythm is. But for those who don't know, it's basically your body's clock. You know, it's there's a hormonal circadian rhythm and a cellular circadian rhythm. The hormonal circadian rhythm works based on light. You know, it goes in, it releases cortisol, temp, body temperature start rising, heart rate starts rising, you wake up, you're in an alerted state. The same goes when light goes away. When it's nighttime, melatonin kicks in, it gets secreted from your pineal gland, and then it, it, it starts lowering your heart rate, it starts lowering your body temperature, and it kind of puts you to go to sleep. The cellular circadian rhythm has to do with the time that you're eating. So if you are eating at a time where your body's supposed to be sleeping, there's kind of confusion there, right? So do, right. You, find that, do you find that that happens a lot during these trips? Oh, absolutely. Uh, there, there are a lot of things, and your body will typically adjust about one hour per day if you throw it off on circadian rhythm. And, and what you're talking about is when you're really tired, you have uh, lepins uh, and grillins, and le lepins are the ones that tell you are full, uh, tell you that you're full and gr uh, grillins tell you that you are hungry. And mm -hmm. those really get messed up uh, when you're very tired. And all of a sudden, and, and you'll notice a lot of times when we eat late at night, it's because we're tired and those chemicals are, are, are kind of off balance, right. which is why you get the munchies and you like at 10 o'clock at night, even if you're at home, you want to eat donuts and you'll just eat anything <laughs> because you're, that's, that's your body saying. Uh, and I, 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 a good resource that I learned a lot about this from is um, 
uh, Why We Sleep by I believe it's Matthew Walker. He's a PhD, and okay. he's done a lot of studies on that. So what I do and what keeps me within my circadian rhythm or gives me my best recovery is to darken the room. When I, when I get on an international layover, I allow, I allow myself to sleep. If my body needs to sleep, I respect that because it knows when you need to sleep. So typically when I land, uh, hopefully we don't land too late and I can get in and get a pretty solid nap going. And at that point, I get up, I walk around, I'll do some some fitness activity if I can, go have a good meal. And I think my body's gotten better at knowing that there are times when I just have to go to bed earlier on my own circadian rhythm. So it may be midnight, say, in Barcelona, but it's only six o'clock in the evening uh, on my home circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. So by making sure I darken the room and I, I kind of do a little bit of stretching, a little bit of breathing and getting myself into that mode, I'm able to fall asleep. Now, there are those who naturally fall asleep more easily and those who mm -hmm. don't. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm fortunate. I can count back. I get up into the bunk of a 787. I can count backwards from 10. And by the time I hit seven, I'm out. Hey. Uh, I, okay. I, I, it's kind of the chill bag. Yeah, it's a good, happy life for me. So I don't have a lot of stresses. And those stresses I do, I manage well. Yeah. And that's part of fitness for me, too, is that 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 just helps me with stress and and and. Uh, it, it helps me sleep better. And then the day back, uh, and I just flew to Barcelona, then went to Dallas and did a little bit of uh, a work with the airline down there yesterday. So I'm, I'm still a little bit off today, but I noticed my body wants to get up at about 7, 7.30. And so it will begin to readjust itself, but you want to give yourself time. Flying back-to-back -back trips can be harder on you. Uh, and longevity wise, it can be difficult. Also, I know guys like to get all that flying in at once. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's really good just for your long term health for cognitive health for physical health, all that stuff uh, to, uh, to allow yourself to to heal up. And I, I we have kind of a rule uh, that they even told us years ago as international pilots is the first day back, don't climb any ladders, don't play with chainsaws, don't do anything, <laughs> give yourself a day to, to, uh, to just rest, relax, heal up, take a nap, whatever. And ideally, the night that I get home, I'll have a great night of sleep. But if I don't, and if that, it is a little bit off, then that next day, take it easy. And usually it's no more than a day to recover. That's excellent. That's fantastic. I love that you you mimic sort of what is required for your body to start releasing that melatonin, right? You, you dart in the room as much as possible. Right. And that stretching, actually, you know, you're in a very low heart rate state. You're actually making your muscles relax. So that really helps. You'll probably count down to eight and then you'll go to sleep, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, It is nice. There's a benefit in that for sure. Oh, absolutely. A lot of people think that fitness is just about going out there, getting exercise done and just continuous, like, nonstop exercise. And it's a, the majority of it is recovery time. You can't improve yes. if you don't recover, especially right. for us. We are flying heavy machinery that requires a lot of situational awareness. And if it's not up, up how it's supposed to be, then we can get into some serious, uh, you know, trouble with fatigue. So absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it's, uh, I'm starting to prepare now and just kind of think of like, okay, well, when that time comes and I can bid, you know, a heavy, how am I going to manage my health and how am I going to manage my rest time uh, during those times? But usually when you're flying certain trips, do you fly 
at like at night you're flying the nighttime on the way back right or on the way um, over there no it's a little more yeah it's a nighttime on the way over so right you'll see a few hours of darkness and then the sun pops up again okay i see so you're you're you don't you're not really given a chance for your body to catch sleep time like it's like right. a little dark and then boom right to right well, to sunlight yeah. so your yeah. body's and thinking oh shoot it's time to wake up again right exactly okay. and all those chemicals that you talked about exactly and, and that that can be that can be a difficult thing so what we do we have uh, we carry an extra pilot on europe trips there's a third pilot and on the the far east trips there's a fourth mm -hmm. and that way we're able to sometimes if you've got a break coming up and you know the sun's up on the horizon, you just you put the shades up, you try to, you know, hopefully get back there before mm -hmm. that happens. Because once once that sun hits you, even if it hits you for five minutes and then you go back and try and take a break, it, wow. it's a little bit, it, it, it kind of counteracts what you're intending to yeah. do. So it, it's good to try and try and manage that that light exposure yeah did you ever in your career did you ever i mean everybody's done this i guess at some point but did you ever try to suppress that sleep with caffeine as soon as you landed and try to continue with the day and not take a nap well, yes but it's never been of much benefit to me mm -hmm. uh to 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 try and use a chemical like that and i love my coffee in the morning <laughs> absolutely uh but by doing that, what I've noticed is caffeine, although it's half-life may extend, you don't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily keep you awake. It may just keep you from falling asleep. Right. And so what I've noticed is a couple of times when I, I did that and I was like, yeah, come on out. I would just find myself doing this. We'd be sitting at a table and it, I wasn't really enjoying myself. I like to have all my capacities. So what I had learned in that is, hey, if y'all want to power through and go see some cool sites, great. I'm going to catch some sleep. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that for me, having done this as long as I have, is that contributes to longevity. And you know, the, the book I was just talking about talks that, about how pilots and shift workers uh, and, and those who fly across a lot of time zones or go across time zones are far more prone to these cognitive disorders, uh, short-term memory loss, uh, diabetes. A lot of very negative things can happen over a period of time. And being that yeah, in a few weeks here, I'm going to be turning 60, I really want to make sure that everything remains intact, yeah. physically, cognitively, in every which way. So although I may miss out on what might be a good time for others, I have a better time having first slept and then I'll go and see things and do things and, yeah. and enjoy the layover. Yeah, I agree. You know, cause there's, a, there's a life after retirement, right? You don't want to be, yeah. you know, all messed up because you didn't take care of your health for all this 30 right. plus years of, of your career. Also, there's right. a life outside of flying as well. When you come back home, you know, people in different Absolutely. stages, they got different things to do. Some may have newborns, some may be doing other things Absolutely. that, so I want to I want to take the timeline from now the 787 that you're in and I want to go back to when you first got into the airlines. Can right. you talk to me through all the airplanes that you have been typed on oh, and which well, one do you like the best? <laughs> I started with the as a flight engineer on the Boeing 727 and that was well that was uh, with President Employer. Prior to that, I flew a Shorts 330, uh, okay. 1984, for a commuter airline in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Airlines, Allegheny Commuter. 
uh, that airplane, if no, if you're not familiar with it, it's it's uh, it's a box with wings. We used to say it's so ugly it repels the earth, but it was a <laughs> it was a great airplane to learn on. No autopilot, anything. yeah, so three thousand yeah, yeah. hours of flying that. Wow. Uh, yeah, that that was that was a lot of flying. Um, it was it was actually probably two, yeah, two or three something like that. We flew a lot, but uh, in any case, at that point, uh, I was. I was just kind of uh, interviewing, uh, trying to interview. And the first interview I got uh, was uh, with my present employer. And I was very fortunate because they interviewed a lot of people, but they, they were pretty picky. So I figured, well, first one will be interview practice and we'll see how it goes. And luckily I was hired and uh, I was a 727 flight engineer and then a 727 first officer. Uh, then I went to the 767 uh, as a first officer. Then uh, to F, uh, no, then the MD, MD 11 came after that, wow. uh, down in Miami flying deep South when that, that airplane first showed up, that was, uh, that thing was a beast. That was a good airplane, uh, as was the seven, six. It was a, they're all great airplanes. And then, uh, from there, let's see what was the next one. Captain on the F 100. I was about 30 years old. Oh, and, uh, then, the other aircraft were uh, things, uh, I think from there, I went to 727 captain. So I got to see that one from all three seats. Nice. That was a lot of fun. We called it the Jurassic Jet. It yeah. was, it turned, it turned gasoline into noise and it was, it smoked and it was fast and it was just an old school airplane built in the 60s. But it was fun to uh, fun to fly it, and there were three of us up there, and we had a good time. Right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And then from there, let's see. I believe it was the MD eighty when that when the seven twenty seven went away, seven fifty seven, seven sixty seven, triple seven, and then uh, the seven eighty seven is where I've been for the last four or five years. Of them all, the one I like the most is the Boeing seven fifty seven with the Rolls Royce engines. That oh, thing. Man is a beast that and is i know beast. a lot of times you'll you'll hear guys you know on instagram all the other big airbus fans and airbus first Boeing. and i'm not kind of for me if, if it flies it's cool yeah uh, so i've liked all the airplanes oh, i missed one i was yeah no i didn't uh f100 captain i didn't mention that at 30 um but uh so the 757 i thought was incredible uh just a ton of thrust that airplane you could put it anywhere you could carry anything with it it would <laughs> It flew well. It looked beautiful. It sounded cool. It was, there was just nothing about that airplane. I was talking about somebody yesterday about it. Like, can you think of one thing you didn't like about that airplane? And we couldn't come up with it. Wow. It, it was just a magnificent airplane. And, Everything uh, about that plane is, is amazing. Yeah. The easiest flying airplane of the mall would be the triple seven. It is the most stable, predictable, big, friendly, happy airplane. It's got a great combination of, of technology, not too much, not too little. Um, they all fly really well. Uh, the 737 uh, is, although uh, I, I would say it was my least favorite of all the Boeings. I, I had some fun in that thing too. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, now the, the Dreamliner, I like because it's a nice quiet airplane. It actually flies really well too. Uh, it jumps right up to altitude. It pressurizes at lower altitude. It's fast. It, it oh, smokes wow. by everything. And uh, whereas in, say, for instance, a 727, when you were landing it, you would just squeeze the throttles off for the last 10 feet and hope that thing didn't come down like a piano. Uh, a 787, you can, you can 
cut the pull the thrust levers back at, at 30 feet all day long, 30, 40 feet, and it'll just glide in. That airplane's wow. just happy flying. It's it's such an incredible uh, wing on that aircraft. Yeah, it's it's incredible to see the 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 timeline of airplanes that that you got to experience in in your over 30 year career, right? Um, my dad has flown pr almost pretty much the same airplanes that you have. And all the stories that I hear from him are very similar. He loved the 7.5, the 7.2. Yeah. Like it's, <clears throat> I, I wish those were airplanes that I would have gotten to fly. Um, but again, we're in a different age now, you know. Do you, right. think, do you think that pilots who are starting the airline career now are going to get a similar experience in, in different types of aircrafts as you did now going into the future? It's possible that there will be different experiences but everything will be from this point on very technology based so where we had the benefit uh and the enjoyment of truly being able to fly airplanes hands-on uh you know these airplanes had hydraulic assist but they were basically they were pulleys driving hydraulics and now everything is you know everything is so technically even for instance in the 787 when i click the landing light or the, the taxi light, it doesn't just turn the taxi light on. It tells, asks a computer if the taxi light can be turned on and then it gives it feedback and says, okay, that's fine. So if the wow. engines aren't running, the, the nose wheel light won't illuminate if I hit the switch. It literally, it's everything is so. So I don't love that part of it. What I do love is that the newer aircraft do create a lot more safety because of the automation assistance uh, and that having been said to compare in your answer to your question the old stuff and the new stuff automation dependency i think is going to be something we need to be very careful of as we move forward in aviation because uh, where the old school pilots you'll hear us oh we love the six pack it taught us to scan it taught us to expand where our eyes were going uh, and right. and it, it made us more situation, situationally aware of the totality of what was going around, uh, on around us, as well as outside the aircraft. And automation dependency can be a da dangerous thing because it's, it's, the, uh, it's the HUD now. We call it, you know, putting the lime in the coconut. You know, you just put it right there. You're looking at one thing and it'll drive you right to the runway or it'll take you off or whatever you want to do with it. Uh, so in the evolution of these aircraft, I think it's most important that in order to experience these things and tru truly enjoy the, the evolution of the aircraft is to take them back to their most basic form also. Uh, I, I like to fly even the Dreamliner without the HUD, unless I'm tired, that, that automation helps a lot. But to be able to just go back to a flight director or no flight director, things like that, uh, to where we're truly hand flying airplanes, I think will contribute to the next generation, not just um, enjoying flying, but being able to have a better totality of, of, of what the experience in aviation. Yeah, I, t I totally agree. Uh, the, the dependency of automation now, it's, it, it's a lot, but it's, a, I think pilots now too, like pilots who are finishing their career and the pilots who are starting their career is in that transition, right? Of like less automation to more automation. And then who knows what's going right. to, who knows what's going to come after. But with this uh, aircraft that everybody's talking about now, the sonic boom, the boom, you know, what, yeah. yeah what, what, what do you think about that? Well, if you take a look back at what what it took to get the Concorde flying, they pretty much had to reinvent aviation. Uh, what what they did to get that airplane 
to fly. I, I did a term paper on it in college. It's is magnificent. I mean, the the engineering and, and once you get supersonic, a lot of those 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 principles change. The, the you know these reverses and things like that. And right offhand, I, I don't think. And considering that once you do go to a supersonic aircraft, that you're you're getting so many more things to deal with that are kind of the great unknown that uh, for instance explosive depressurization is things at 60,000 feet if you have an explosive depressurization you've got about a second of of useful consciousness so we mm -hmm. as airline pilots above 42,000 feet one of the guys has to have an oxygen mask on so are we saying in that boom that the that one pilot will always have to have an oxygen mask and, and I'm not right. sure how they did that with the with the uh, with the Concorde but or will you create a, a sub cabin within the flight deck so that if there is an, a depressurization that it repressurizes itself? I don't know. Uh, a lot of that is, is technology they're gonna need to work on. So I think it's gonna be a while before we truly see this aircraft flying uh, mm -hmm. or flying commercially. I think they're gonna test it, they're gonna do a lot with it. Uh, and then of course, uh, you have sound considerations. Yeah, these are right. very noisy aircraft, and they're also with the Concorde. Obviously, they they couldn't throttle that thing up until it was out over the ocean. Then it's great. However, the use of the aircraft may be far more limited because people don't want to be hearing sonic booms the whole way across the country from New York to L.A. It'll have to be used. It'll have its specific purpose. Uh, right. Once it does tackle those technologies, where will it be used? What will it be used for? Is it economically feasible? What will be the ticket prices? Uh, mm -hmm. What's really caused airlines to become so prolifically present uh, is the ability to, to fly for less money it does than it takes you to drive a car somewhere. And you want exactly. to go to Florida, you can get on an airplane, it'll cost you less than a couple tanks of gas to get down there. So to be able to do that in exchange for saving time on a boom uh, is going to be at some cost because those things are going to burn a lot of fuel too. I'm sure they won't be terribly efficient. Yeah, I bet. So, so we're going from past to future. This is our conversation going on right now. So now I want to go back to when you first started your airline career. You're obviously in absolutely great shape. You told me the other day you held a plank for like six minutes or something. Yeah, crazy. I love forearm planks. I'm, I'm crazy a thing like floor, that, right? yeah, dude. It is. <laughs> I mean, it is such an important part of your body. But yeah. has your health and fitness always been on point throughout your 30 year career? I mean, that's a long time. I've only been in the airlines for five years, and I'm doing pretty well with it. But for a next 25, maybe another 30 years, can you know how how was your experience like keeping? I mean, you have to have optimal health and fitness throughout that whole time. Right. Yeah, I, I've been able to maintain it, but there's a way to do that. Uh, I'm a I'm a huge advocate. Well, I, I believe there's certain disciplines that everybody should have. My my biggest mm -hmm. thing that I love is resistance training. I think. Mm -hmm. It is of critical importance. And people are like, oh, resistance training is left and weights to get muscles. No, it's about bone density, connective tissue, te fascial, tendons, ligaments, everything. And when you think about somebody as they get older, I would think osteoporosis is a big thing. Well, when you do right. resistance training, you're increasing bone density. 
Um, I, I've even read some stuff about it's uh, it helping with uh, ejection fraction of the heart, stuff like that. There's just so much benefit in in resistance training. So I first try to always make sure I incorporate that. Uh, secondly, I, I like uh, stretching, bending, like the kind of breathing. I, my my wife is a yoga therapist, so. I love doing balance and stretching and, and pulling that stuff apart. And that's kind of a different dimension for me. And then third, I think a, a, a cardiovascular routine of some sort is important. But to answer your question in that, in order to maintain that, uh, I, I and I've trained people for many years, I always say the greatest thing you can do to maintain your personal fitness is vary what you do. So when I lived in San Diego and I would see people on a treadmill at the gym, I'd be like, why are you not at the beach? You know, bare feet running down the beach, listening to the waves. That's where the fun is not, right. not, not running on a treadmill. I could see it if you're in the you know, upper peninsula of Michigan and there's 12 feet of snow outside and you don't want to do it. Um, it's riding a bike. It's taking a hike. It's all these things that you can do even when you are, for instance, a Rome layover. I, I think I clocked seven miles walking around and I didn't even know it. So it's body movement over time and keeping it interesting. Go for a bike ride one day. Uh, I have kind of a rule that I tell people when it comes to fitness. I say, okay, you have seven days in a week. If you could put four of those in the wind column and the three that are not in the wind column. So say one day you're like, okay, you know, I, 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 I had a, I had some bad diet choices. I didn't get to the gym. Just don't make it a big loss. So if you have a piece of cake, have a slice, not a slap. You know, right. have, if you have a beer, have a beer or two. Don't have six. It's so that the losses are not big, but you allow yourself that. And on the days that you win, some days win bigger than others. You go to the gym, you do things that are for yourself. And by doing that and creating that, that standard, you're, you just naturally, for instance, I just went and met with a bunch of six, 60 plus guys. Uh, we all hit softballs twice a week. We run around the field, we flag balls, we flag fly balls, we have batting practice, we have a good time. And, and wow. that's, that was just after four days of flying, that was a good morning of motion and hanging out with some guys and throwing some stuff. And although it may not be an intense workout, it was a physical activity. Yeah. Um, and to elaborate a little bit on that, when people are in fitness programs and at the gym, and I'm sure you've seen them, we call them New Year, the New Year's resolution crowd. They come in and they're there in January and they're, I'm going to work two hours a day. I'll be at the gym two hours every day. That to <laughs> me is the biggest formula for a failure. Yeah. It's it, because now if you stop working out two hours a day, you've rewarded yourself by not having to do something two hours a day. But if you're in that right. gym, two, three times a week for an hour. So you get it in. It doesn't put a ding in the armor. It doesn't, you've, you've just done something good and you got it done and you got on with the rest of your day and you'll feel great. And on other days, I say to these people, all right, what'd you do today? Even if it was just a walk, if it was whatever. Mm -hmm. And if you perpetuate that over a long period of time, 30 plus, I mean, I started when I was 14 years old uh, in the gym so we're, 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 you're talking 45 years of, of, of fitness activity. Every sport has its own set of muscles. Every activity creates some different dimension to that. You'll simply age more slowly because you, it's the old, you know, rolling stone gathers no moss mentality. But the trick to that is, is 
is little bites and put them in the win column, you know, get as many wins as you can and, and, and take the losses on the chin as best you can. Well, I think everything you said in that was absolutely on point. I don't think it could have been better said by anybody. Resistance training is the most preventative method of training for, as you said, you don't age as quick, right? Not only for prevention of, or help, help to prevent osteoporosis, but the resist, what, what people don't understand is that like lifting weights may cause them to have either, it, it will cause them to have a physical change. Some people may or may not want that, but it, that all really depends on how much weight you're lifting, how many repetitions you're doing, the frequency, right. how often, right? So there's a lot of variables that uh, if people get educated on this fitness, it may not seem or sound so extreme. Um, you know, and, and the main purpose right. of resistance is like how you said to, to promote bone density. And the reason why that happens is in a joint, right? Where two bones connect in that area, the resistance applied to a joint promotes osteoblasts, which are cells that replenish bone. And when you do that over a certain amount of time, more of those cells produce and help with bone density. So not only are you uh, helping to prevent osteoporosis, but you're also working on that neuromuscular connection, right? Which also improves your cognitive. It actually opens a different part of your brain for you to think a little bit differently. So physical activity, just like how you said, is so important for our physical efficient functions of our organs, but also of our mind too, you know, with more activity, like you said, and it doesn't have to be rigorous. You are, you're, you're probably, you're most likely going to feel different in the flight deck, more situationally aware. You have a different, broader perspective of your brain opening up different pathways on how to perform something. And the best, the best, best part of all of doing exercise in a structured way is injury prevention. Just like how you said, longevity is the key because we have a life outside of aviation and after retirement that we don't want to have be spending injured, right? lower back pains and things like that. So right. doing structured exercises, don't just, uh, and this is what I would suggest for a lot of people, but a lot of people like to go to these Instagram pages or this YouTube where people are posting like cool looking workouts that may not be suitable for the, the experience level right. of, of somebody who's trying to work out, or it, it may not like um, fulfill doing an exercise or doing exercises in all three planes of your body you know, sagittal, lateral, and, 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 right. and um, rotational. So if you're always working out front and back muscles that are front and back, and you, when you get out of your flight deck, you rotate to get out, the weakness on that rotation part right. is going to give you an injury unless you work on that, right? So, yeah. And, right. and, and, you know, the biggest thing that I think that you said too is that to maintain that throughout your whole career, it is a discipline in the variety that you give it. And that makes it fun too. Uh, and, you know, just to, to, to parlay off of what you just said there, one of the most common injuries, and luckily we don't have the heavy flight bags anymore, is that rotational injury when guys were grabbing their flight bags off of the flight deck, they were returning and all of a sudden they're like, oh no, what did I just do? And mm -hmm. we insulate ourselves to that when we, that's why I'm such a big fan of core exercise to get, get everything in the core strong. They, they may not be beach muscles, but boy, you see so many people who, and 
you know, we, we can talk about sarcopenia, how, you know, the, the, the shrinking of muscle fiber, stuff like that. Uh, but if people don't do that resistance training, if you don't use it, you lose it. A lot of that muscle will go away. And all of a sudden, one day, a guy in his 50s, a woman in her 50s, whatever, something that simple, and there goes a disc. Whereas if we can do things daily or several times a week, depending on what it is your, 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 your goals are, to prevent that those issues to to insulate your body from having all of a sudden that 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 rotational injury or that disc rupture or whatever uh, it, it lends itself to everyday lifestyle because you don't realize that that you've weakened part of your body when you by not challenging it yeah and and for all the listeners who are going to be listening to this episode if you hear us talking in in, in in the in the greater detail it's about we're not mentioning any single time anything about physical results all we've been talking about is internal results injury prevention right so if everybody could just forget a little bit about the physical results of, of fitness right you, yeah. i always tell everybody work from your body within right to make it as efficient and optimal as possible and the, right. the physical results are, are going to show so I, I like to tell people, it's just like, hey, don't worry about the looks because that's not what fitness is all about. It's a, it's a result right. of, but it's not what it's really about. Um, right. and, and then also targeting different modes or methods of exercising like how you do. Man, I got to tell you, like it's game changer when you start incorporating flexibility in your routine. Absolutely. I, I've also been training since I was, I think you mentioned 14, but and I was 12 when I started structure exercising just because i just really liked it but it's been structured 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 and no flexibility in like 20 plus years and i'm like whoa i i yeah uh, uh, sorry i said 20 plus years like 18 plus years i'm not that old yeah. <laughs> but dude when i started it about a year ago it's i've noticed a dramatic change in mobility range of motion totally. strengthening and range of motion it's Right. I felt a totally different person. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there are other things that you think about as somebody gets older. I listen to a lot of people who say to me, well, you know, I don't have the balance I used to have. Well, work on that. That's what, that's why I love doing the yoga stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, first, when I first went in there, I'm like, okay, you know, is this really, you know, kind of that, that kind of guy thing going on. And I realized it was amazing. And a lot of people, as they get older, have trouble with balance. Right. And when you challenge balance, it improves. And a lot of times the demise of a person is a slip, a, a fall or, or a balance issue or it, it, to, to be able. And this is the beauty of all the different dimensions of fitness that we can interchange and work on. They all have benefits to them. And there are so many of them from doing yoga to going for a bike ride or hitting the gym, whatever, uh, that it doesn't ever have to get old. You just find new fun things to do. And that variation keeps it very interesting over a long period of time. Yeah, totally agree. And I think, you know, there's a psychological aspect to fitness as well. The psychological aspect has to do with human needs, right? So sometimes people... Uh, nowadays, I don't know if how, how it used to be, but I'm, I took a, um, a, a life intervention coaching by Tony Robbins, and I learned about these human needs and how we go out of our ways to really satisfy these needs. Depending right. on how, how we value these certain needs is probably what our behavior is going to be like. 
But comfort, the need for comfort is very, very high in a lot of people's lives because there's a lot of variety going on around us that we want to some get us some sort of grip on something and make sure that we're confident in ourselves to be able to, you know, just feel comfortable with ourselves. Stepping out of that comfort is the hard part. If you value variety a little bit higher, so like you said, maybe don't go to the gym every day, just go for a bike ride, go, you know, uh, hiking, go do something. Put it in the wind column. Something <laughs> exactly. in the wind column that day. Exactly. Right. So it's also about training your mind to find yourself in a position where like a lot of everybody says, I should go work out, but then they don't. If you find that position, you're probably engaged in your comfort zone right now. Be, yeah. be active in that and be like, okay, well, hang on a second. I'm, I'm being way too comfortable. Let me step outside. And if the gym kind of intimidates me, let me go for a walk or let me go, yeah. let me go do something else. And I think that, that, that variety, what you said is key, man. It's absolute key to, yeah. to maintaining your discipline as well. It, it all helps out. I agree. The, the other thing that I, that I always talk about are what I call the Aistas. Uh, and you'll talk to somebody who I used to run a six minute mile. I used to this. I used to bench this. I used to they think, don't be an I used to be, be a, be, I, I do this yeah. now. And it doesn't mean you're running a six minute mile, but it does mean you're moving your body. Maybe right. you're walking a 15 minute mile. Who cares? Rather than talk about the, the, the glory days of fitness. And I know when we're younger, it's easier. It's challenging as we get older but there's so much that we can still do. Uh, even when we talk about resistance training, about maybe somebody's intimidated uh, by the gym. I love like the TRXs. I have a motorhome, and when I was at Oshkosh, I had those things hooked up. My my back climb up loud. I was just wow. pumping it out, and 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 I would like I'll, I'll hook them up to the top of my the TRXs to the top of the RV, and then I'll find ways to resist. Even on a layover, if you don't have a gym there. Resistance bands right. that are really easy to use. Yes. And if you're a little intimidated by a gym, that's a way to resist and kind of work it a little bit and kind of get used to those motions yeah. prior to, to to maybe using a dumbbell. Right. Uh, like I said, it, it, you know, we've talked about it this whole time is the variation and what is out there for us is almost limitless. Yeah, I agree. And and I think a lot of a lot of it too is becoming educated in it, right? You, right. you won't have all these variations unless you go out there and you try to learn a little bit more about it. Listen, right. to, listen to people like how you and I are talking about these certain subjects, because that will give you ideas that may give you, uh, you know, the opportunity to be resourceful. Like you, right. there's no more resourceful than you at Oshkosh hooking up your TRX. <laughs> It was come fun. on that's that's perfect I do I'm like it was fun you know and, and then yeah obviously the, the core exercises I kind of I, I enjoy doing too but they, like I said there's there's no reason not to to find some type of physical activity yeah. almost anywhere and yes. most anywhere where you are yes and, and speaking about air shows uh, one of the persons that I that I uh train and I have a lot of fun training with is is Mike Gullion and he there, there is something for everybody in a specific time. During air shows, the man is busy from morning until almost the next morning with meetings, air show performances, social events, everything. And Mike is like, yo, Fernando, I can't get a workout in, man. Like, this is, this is too hard and, and I'm too tired. So I just changed up his routine a little bit. I, I, went, I went on his days that he's doing um, air show stuff we're focused on flexibility, mobility, and muscle, muscle activation. 
So at least right. he's doing something. He's activating the muscles, firing those muscles that are supposed to be fired. So he has good um, uh, neuromuscular response during his aerobatic show. And then right. when he goes off at home, take a day off from home and then hit the gym two or, th right. two or three times uh, in the week, or some resistance training, and then go right back. So there's a little right. something for everyone. I mean, for, it's yeah. the, it, the possibilities are endless. And I think that you do such a great job at maintain, maintaining your fitness really, really well. When I'm 60, I hope to be just like that and for the rest of my career. <laughs> oh, thanks. I appreciate it. And, you know, the, the other element of that, too, is if you don't have time, even if you're taking 10, 15 minutes to just do some stretches, 20 minutes, whatever, yeah. you, you find that much, you can do some things in that time to where at least you you did a positive thing that day, even during a very busy day. Yeah. I agree. It's all about, it's all about longevity. So if you, um, you, you've been obviously in the airlines for a really long time, what advice, uh, either with fitness or career wise, would you give everybody who's in that transition of possibly starting, um, flight school or coming from a, uh, uh, an instructor into the airline world in terms of advice to preparing for a lifestyle like this? Well, one of the things that I always tell everybody is that you, as much as I love aviation, as much as many of us do, uh, I work to live. I never live to work. So to create a balance in that and find that balance, there are times in our lives when we have more time. Before I had a wife and children and those responsibilities, I could go chase type ratings. I could go to different bases. When I was in my 20s, I basically had two suitcases and a car. And uh, if it didn't fit in all in that, it, I would throw it in a dumpster. Uh, so when you have that life, obviously you can you can have a you can have a lot of variation, and and you can you can uh, chase the career side of it. But right. longevity wise, within your career, there will be adjustments that need to be made. And I, I did 25 years of pilot professional standards work and pilot assistance, and what I found is that the majority of pilots who are having a difficult time or becoming very negative about their careers were the ones who were working so hard to, to earn money, to take care of their families, that their presence with their family, which is far more important than money, was starting to diminish. And this, a lot of times, would lead to divorce. It would lead to just broken, just a really those sad things, um, dependencies. Uh, and uh, there, there was just a lot of stuff that would go wrong when a life would go off the rails. And they would think, well, God, I'm working so hard for my family, um, only to lose it. So what ends up happening is, they don't only now no longer like their job, but their family life has, has fallen apart also. So I'm always quick to tell people, figure out what you need to do to have a great life, because the better your life is away from work, the more you're going to enjoy going to work. Uh, I have people always saying to me, oh, God, you must be gone all the time. No, actually, I'm not. I'm home a heck of a lot more than I'm gone. It's just yeah. when I'm gone, it yeah. makes its way on Instagram, and I'm having a really time <laughs> you know i'm having fun there too but you know i have the yeah. great fortune living on a lake i'll you know if it's if it's doing instagram post or go for a stand-up paddleboard ride 
uh, I'll be on my paddleboard. You know, I mean, yeah. those oh, those are the those right. are the things. So I know that what we see in social media and what we show others and what we talk about it, you know, at the, at the at the barbecue picnics, reflect our careers. You know, we we yeah. as pilots, whenever you're somewhere, you're for hey, you're the pilot, right? And they all want to talk about aviation. And though that is an element of my life, it's definitely not the biggest. It's having raised three amazing children, having a you know wonderful wife, a wonderful lady in my life, and and being there and doing things with them uh, that has created a better job environment for me. And though though I've had plenty of flying in, uh, I, I'm quick to say that to make to have a great aviation career, ha have a great family first and, and make that your focus. And I know there are times that's not as easy, is easier said than done. But yeah, yeah. once you do have that ability, say with an airline, um, you know, don't, don't chase the airplane, don't chase the paycheck, don't chase the schedule uh, or rather chase the schedule away from home. Make right. sure that you're, 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 uh, you're, 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 uh, you're finding that balance in life. Yeah, I think that's amazing advice because a lot of the times people associate their only identity as pilots or as oh, something yeah. in aviation. And I and you need to people need to take a step back and realize you you became a pilot, so you are a lot more than just a pilot. Like you have to know so many things just to be a pilot, right? You need a little mm -hmm. meteorology, you need a psychology, you need to know you know, a little bit of like engineering stuff, it, you put that all together and you have different avenues you can go. So what I'm saying by that is, is that be, don't let being a pilot be your only identity because you not, right. not, not also your family, but you can also do other things in life uh, as well. And the, the most important part too, how you said is that you, you chase that quality of life over, over, you know, chasing type ratings or, or right. money and stuff like that. And, and, Something that I that I that I thought about while you said that was back back then um, I would say in the in the times where aviation pilots did not get paid as much and it was a whole lot harder to make to make money I think it was a totally different thing but you've you've seen so many waves of this wages go up and down and you know uh, furloughs and then come back you know that's something right. that I think people who are getting into this airline lifestyle should be aware of coming into it you know it, it's something that a lot of people may handle a whole lot differently um but what, what would be your your advice if that time comes did you did you get furloughed and and if and if you did what what did you do uh i was fortunate i i haven't been furloughed and I, i've seen what's happened during during the furlough uh up and coming in aviation the advice i always give people and I don't mean to dismiss all these aviation universities, but if someone's going to go to college, I, I'm always quick to say it's a good idea. Get a business degree, a marketing degree. Uh, when you talk about being something more than just a pilot, even and I've done a lot of interviewing work uh, when pilot interviewers see a resume of somebody that's got a diversity of background, that they've done other things, uh, it, it makes for a more well-rounded person in the first place. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that having been said, and I, I'll never be dismissive. Of, I, I flew with a guy the other day that had been furloughed for 12 years. Um, but to have something to fall back on, not only because you could be furloughed, but a lot of pilots end up with 
medical issues that, yeah. and, and you, you can lose a flying job or, or there are a lot of things that happen that can take you off the rails in aviation. And if someone were to say to me, hey, I want to go get an aeronautical degree or business degree, I will 100% always tell them to get the business degree because the airlines, when they hire you, that's really not a big deal what you had it in. The guy I got hired with an 86 had a package merchandising degree. Uh, the the four-year, and it's not even required in a lot of cases now, uh, mm-hmm. is is just to show that you, you accomplished this. But what right. the degree is in is not that critical. Uh, also, when it comes to planning, what I've always done, and though I've been fortunate not to have to have been furloughed, is don't live like there's no tomorrow, uh, is create a lifestyle that allows those things to possibly happen, a possibility of a furlough, a possibility of something happens medically. Uh, there are pilots who have other businesses, and they're always right. really good at them, but there, <laughs> there are many other things. We're fitness trainers, too. You know, we, There's yeah. a lot that we do. But exactly. that's just that, to me, is the spice of life. When somebody is one-dimensional into airplanes, and I'm the biggest airplane geek you'll ever meet, but mm. I've loved so many other things life Uh, for me it's been coaching my children and and being part of these teams and the fitness thing and and nutrition and all these other aspects of life Uh, there are skills that many pilots have we have a pilot's got a winery we have there a lot of them are are are, they're finance majors that that, that have an incredible businesses mortgage companies Um, there's so much stuff they do because Uh, once their schedule loosens up at first it can be tough you're gone a lot but once those schedules do begin to lighten up uh, a lot of them kind of take that time to do other things and learn other skills which is another beauty of the job is um, there does come a time at most large airlines where that time off will allow you to pursue other passions that are in some sense marketable yeah and like you said, it, it comes with time, right? And, and during that time where you're really busy doing the flying could be your planning for right. when you do have that time off. And, and it's all really about, it comes out to be being resourceful, which right. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those aspects that it's not, you're not born with being resourceful. It's one of those things that you learn through right. life and also discipline. You know, you, you're not born with discipline. You, there has to be something there that where with that goal that you're chasing or that lifestyle that you're chasing has to be that important enough for you in order for you to pursue it and to put in the work, to put in the, the, the hours to be able right. to do that. You did it to become a pilot, right? So yeah. you can do it with anything else. So yeah. I think that's, I think that's incredible advice cap. And, and I think it's going to give people a, 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 a different perspective coming into the airline career and also a reminder for those who are already in the airline career, because sometimes we get right. We get so caught up with work. We forget a lot of these things that we're taught, right? And, and 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 that's the whole point of this podcast is to be able to bring information to people so that they can be reminded of or learn something new. Well, Captain, thank you so much for being on today's episode. You've been magnificent for all, with all the information that you've shared. Um, I, everything I couldn't have said any better myself. Thank you for sharing your knowledge, your experience, your your humbleness through through everybody who's going to hear this through this episode. So thanks for being on here, man. My pleasure. Thank you so much for, for having me on this. Uh, I, I've really been looking forward to it. And, and 
the, the fact that this platform exists for me to be able to, to, to tell people about all these passions is, uh, I'm, I'm very grateful to you for all that you do also. So thank you so much for, for having me. I'm, I'm flattered uh, to, to have been able to be part of this. Thanks, Tom. Hope to run into you again in Miami. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right, take care. We'll make that happen. <laughs>